So we, uh, so we started this series a while back called Story Maker Series, and what we kind of discussed is this idea that it's not because of great sermons that we, that we hear or because of some great music or whatever the case that really changes the world, but it's the story of people who's had changed lives that make a difference. Like, you know, we hear all the time of, you know, man, the United States need, needs a revival again. We need another great awakening, and that, but that's only going to happen when we begin to share our stories. And it's been really am- amazing some of, the, some of the amazing responses that we've gotten from online with people listening all over the place um, to just people here, um, you know, really, truly taking a grasp of some of the ideas that we've talked about. And this is going to be our, this is going to be our last installment of the Story Maker series. But, you know, just to see people really take on the idea that, that what, what we thought was our story, what we thought was our story was only part of our story. This is the idea that, that what we thought was our past and that our past is what defined us. That's not necessarily true. You know, we talked about the woman at the well. Not the woman at the well. I do that every time. The woman with the blood issue, right? And like she, she the way she, she felt, like she was outcast from the world. You know, like no one wanted to be around. She was nasty. She was dirty. She felt unwanted. And she thought... That her story was, she, uh, she thought her story was that, that she was unwanted. Maybe for some of us, maybe we've, for so long we have kind of felt unwanted, that we have felt dirty, that what we've done in our past has defined us. And I, you know, if you remember that story, he looks down at her and calls her daughter. He looks down at some of us and calls us daughter and sons. In that moment, she felt wanted and she got she, she, all this happened because she heard a story about Jesus she had heard what he had done in someone else's life then we talked about Paul in Athens now sometimes you know he was he would be walking he was walking through Athens and he saw these altars to God and to these different gods and he came upon one that said to the altar of the unknown God and these people in Athens were doing all these great things much like people today are doing some great things giving to charities volunteering, doing all the doing you know amazing, amazing things in our life. But we're doing it sometimes to an altar of an unknown God. With just the name Jesus written on it. You know, and we we talked about how, you know, in that story you know, um he began to he he begins to to speak with the people about this altar of the unknown God and that it that, that it was Jesus and it was all about Jesus and that our stories have to be about Jesus. Not about us, but really about Jesus and what he has done in our lives. Because without Jesus, <coughs> we have no story. And then we talked about last time how sometimes we make things super complicated, don't we? We make these, these hour-long stories and we make things, you know, this extremely way too difficult for people to understand or to grasp. Like you have to do this, this, and this. And I know and it, we, what we talked about was the story of the blind man. And how, and how, like, everyone around him, like, he had this, this awesome experience with Jesus. He, like, he, he was healed of blindness, and his friends started questioning him and criticizing him. And they took him to what we do. We take him to, he took him to church for the answer, and they didn't have an answer, so they started questioning and criticizing him, which we'll talk a little bit more about here in a few minutes. But what we talked about is here's all these questions. Because sometimes we have this fear that maybe we don't have all the right answers. 
Like, what if they ask me something? What if they ask me something that I don't know the answer to? And it's kind of like, well, that's okay because our stories can be really simple because nobody can deny a story. And what, what, like our blind man's simple story was, I was blind and now I see. I can't answer your theological questions. I don't know if that man was a sinner or not. All I know was 15 minutes ago, I couldn't see a thing, but now I can. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue this. And today's going to be kind of a summary slash celebration. And it's just the idea that we're going to talk a little bit about questions and critics. Because sometimes, let's face it, people like to criticize us, right? Or they like to critique our stories. Like, did that really happen? Now, come on now. So what we're going to do is we're going to look back at the blind man some more. And we're going, to, we're going to start in verse 24 of John 9. But just the idea that Jesus has healed this blind man. And the man was healed but was questioned by his friends and by the church. And so we're picking up in verse 24. So he's already been, he's already been asked a bunch of stuff. They brought his parents in. Parents said, we don't want nothing to do with this. You ask him. He's an adult. Do your thing. And this is where it starts in verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know the man Jesus is a sinner. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I can imagine, like, I'm trying to give God glory, but you're not letting me, you know. Verse 25 says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? And verse 27 says, look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? That was kind of his sword and, and the stomach and twist there. Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple. So basically what, they're, what he's saying out there is, you're just part, like you're actually part of his group. and You're just, you're just twisting this. You're, try, you're trying to deceive people. You were already his disciples. You could, have, you could see the whole time. That's what they're saying there. You're just trying to, trying to get, get his movement started. You, verse 20, then, then they cursed him and said, you're his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. And we know that God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. And wow, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. And ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. This guy's doing pretty good, isn't he? If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. In verse 34, this is where it gets real interesting. You are born a total sinner, they answered. And you're trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Here you have these religious leaders, these pastors of this day, criticizing a man who had just witnessed something powerful in his life. The very people that should be celebrating with him, questioning him. Did this man have, have everything together? No. Did he have all the answers? No. What this guy did, what, what, what these guys did was question him and criticize him, and, and he pushed him away saying, You're, are, you are still worthless. 
since we can't understand what's going on in you with you, you're you're worthless, you're a sinner, you're still this. We don't believe you've been changed. You know, I don't know what, what the difference in the last 15 minutes happened. Nothing is different. And they labeled this man. They labeled this man. They labeled him a sinner. And I want, if you have your notes, you want to take notes, you can say this. Labels are limitations. When we begin to label things, we limit what God can do. Oh, we're not that kind of church. What if God wants to do something with that? I was kind of funny, and this is no, if this person listens to this, I, I don't, I mean, no, it's kind of a funny, but, you know, me, Justin, and Dad were coaching a football team, and there was a guy who would say, it was, it was, it was silly stuff, and we just kind of, me and Dad and Justin would always chuckle, and it would just kind of be like, we'd tell the kids to tuck in their shirt, and we're like, we're a shirt-tucking team, he'd yell that, we're a low-tackling team, we're like, what are you doing, you're like, but it's kind of like we, we begin to put labels on things when God's just like, quit labeling things because you're limiting what I can do with that. Well, they, were te- they, were, they, were, they were putting labels on this guy, and he, they were limiting what he could do. And I wonder how many of us feel that we have this baggage on us, this label on us, that we can't get past. We've had this true life change story and it's being criticized and questioned every time we turn around. Maybe it's by family members. Maybe it's like, no, 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 no. I see, no, I seen how you were two weeks ago. No, you know, like I remember when we were in high school. You're still that, but like nobody can change from that. And you have begun to believe that lie, believe that label that somebody's put on you. That your story means nothing because of this in your life. And you feel defeated like you've lost the war because they are right and that God's not. Because when we start believing the labels that other people put on us, what we're saying is, God, you're wrong. Your opinion doesn't matter. These people's, these people's do and I'm going to go with theirs. But if we truly believed what Jesus labeled us, his sons, his daughters, if we put that label on us, that's freeing. So let's go on verse 35. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered, who is he? Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him. Jesus said that he's speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe. And have you noticed like he didn't know who he was talking to at first. But as soon as he found out it was him, he was like, yes, Lord. Because he knew like Jesus is the one that defines me now. He's my healer. He's my rescuer. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment and to give straight to the blind, sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Like it, it's amazing. Like that that kind of reminds me of the story when Jesus had just talked in parables and his disciples pulled him away and is like, why do you speak in parables? And he's like, so that they would not understand. It's like, what? 
you know? So that they wouldn't, that, that kind of reminds me of that. But it's, it's really, if you look at this, he's encouraging this man. What he's saying is that I was sent here to, do, what I was sent here to do, I am doing and have already done. Like everything that was prophesied about him in the Old Testament, all prophecy is, is a foretelling of what was to come. It says he will give sight to the blind. I mean, it was just this amazing thing. I've already done it. I've already won. Don't let anyone drag you down because of your past. Yeah, they may think you're blind because of your past, but really it was for me to give glory to my Father. I have defeated the past. And you can live in victory because I have already won. I have healed you. But as I was reading this, it kind of reminded me of this other passage in the New Testament. Like, like and before we read it, maybe I, I can ask you some of these same questions real quick. Like, do you believe in him? Or maybe a better way of saying this is, who do you say that he is? Maybe Jesus this morning is going, going, hey, Nick, who do you say that I am? Justin, who do you say that I am? See, sometimes we begin to believe the devil's lies, and we begin to start believing the labels that's been given to us. Like, can you really make a difference? And it all revolves around this question of who do you say that he is? Like, do you... Like, those people won't listen to you. Like, if they knew that about your past, they won't listen to you. Hey, remember that, remember that thing in your past? You know, the thing that you, you, you've been kind of hiding your whole life? Like, if they knew about that, they would not want you around. They'd be like, don't come around my kids. Don't do this. Don't do that. They will criticize you. They won't believe your story. Come on now. Like, I hope... And the last part of this is really exciting because it got me like it gets me pumped up. But it, this whole story reminds me of Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. that says, "Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is?' And they said, "'Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets.'" He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon, repeat, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Okay. And it goes on. I forgot to put the second. Do this, Joe. Um. I'm going to pull. Anybody got, got their Bible on them real quick? Let me do this. I forgot to do this. Let me see. Yeah, let me see this. Because I love, I love, I love this part here. Okay, Matthew 17, starting in verse 18, it says this. What am I here? 16, 17. And Jesus replied, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my my Father in heaven. And I tell you that to you." Tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the King James Version says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, I will build my church. Like, I will build my church, and nothing can come against it. Nothing will be able to come against it. 
Nothing will be able to stand in my way. Not even the gates of hell will be able to prevent against it, prevail against it. I will build my church. I'm going to win. And so, and I, like, I have already won this. You know, you can count on, count on this. That in this messed up, jacked up, tangled up, screwed up world, I am going to build my church. Politicians may come and go. Companies may rise and fall. People may raise up in leadership and then, and then leave. But the one thing that will remain is that I will build my church. And here's the amazing thing. We are that church. We are that church that he's talking about. I don't mean like shift church is that church, but we are a part of that church that's unstoppable. See, Jesus here is asking this simple question. Who do you say that I am? If I'm just another prophet to you, then your past will always define you. If I'm just another preacher preaching in the wilderness, you won't have a story. But if you believe that he is the Christ, that he is our Lord, he is our healer, then our past can never define us anymore. We are no longer slaves to that because hell can't even defeat that. Your labels don't define you. If we believe that he is the almighty, powerful son of God, Jesus, our rescuer, redeemer, then no matter the power that comes against us, it will fail because he promised us that the gates of hell can't stop what he's doing. So when you walk up to that person full of fear because you, you, you know you're going to have to share your story, listen, there's nothing to fear because we have already won. No matter what goes on in this world, we have already won. Nothing can stop us, not even hell can stop us this, this morning. So we have people in our community trapped in sin and shame, looking for what we have. We have the message of the good news of Jesus, that we were once blind and now can see. We were once dead in our sin and now are alive. He says, and he's given us the great commission of go and make disciples. Share your story of life change. I, I will build my church. You make disciples. Like you let me worry about building the church. You go make disciples. And I don't mean converts because it's not our job to convert them. It's our job just to share our story. See, I, I get really excited that as a thought that, one, what God can do here in South Knoxville that we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about on December 3rd with, with Aroma, but, <coughs> but just also the fact that, that he's the one that rescued me. Like when Ephesians 2 says you were dead in your sins, I mean, I was rotten, like flesh falling off dead. Like, I couldn't do anything for my situation, but he says... But God being rich in mercy, like when all this stuff was going on, he, in his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ, he made a way for me. While I thought I was a far off, while we thought we were far off, he made a way. He still loved me and gave me a way out. And that's your story and that's my story. It's a story that people are waiting to hear. 
That's why the biggest sell, selling books in bookstores are self-help books. They're looking for the answer. They're looking for an answer, to what, and we already have that answer, and that answer is Jesus. See, we, we as Christ followers, we, as, we are unstoppable. We can live without fear because we have already won. And we can step out there and share our stories because of it. That's why, like, I love the story of Paul when he's like, you know, he faced, like, he, he, no matter what he faced, his message was the same, that Christ rescued me, the chief of sinners. You know, he had this, he had this awesome experience, this awesome encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. And the rest of his life was altered. That when he would be put in jail, he'd be like, oh, we're putting you in jail. Okay, well, I'll convert your guards. Oh, we're going to set you free. Well, that's great. I'm going to go ahead and preach in the synagogue. Oh, you're going to put me to death? Well, that's great because I'll be with Jesus. Oh, you're going to keep me alive? Okay, well, I'll, I'll convert some more people. I'll, I'll share my story with some other people. Oh, you're going to put me back in jail? Okay, well, expect your guards to be, you know, become followers of this Jesus that you don't like. No matter what he faced, he had no fear because he understood that the gates of hell will not prevail against him. And we can live in victory because of that. What I'm going to read at the end is like, it, it gives me chills is the fact to know that my destiny is already in his hand. He already knows what's happening. I know where, I, where I'm going to be at the end of this, at the end of this life. And, here's, and, here's, and the amazing thing is not because I know that he is in total control, I can live with no fear because I'm going to be with him. Nothing we face in this world can, can come against us. So we're about to sing a song here at the end of my sermon that says, that says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I can stand and sing. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Like I really believe he has made a way for us to, to really change the ones with our story no matter what the critics may say, what they may question, we have the ability to change people's lives through our stories. Like with the power of the Holy Spirit, I really believe this can happen in South Knoxville. And I believe it's already starting to happen. I believe it's already starting to happen. Let me show you real quick. One person that's here today said this, because I asked a couple people to send me some emails. They said this, when I first heard about Shift Church, I wasn't really sure how I would feel about it. It didn't sound like a church I was, I was used to going to. I was used to a more traditional church and how everything was done a certain way. And after going to Shift Church, I, I saw the same thing in a different way. People still serving and worshiping the Lord just with with regular clothes and beards and tats and no expectations of others. In more depth, Shift Church has shown me is a more gooder, he said he wanted the hick to come out in him, the more gooder, realistic walk with the Lord and a better way to approach things in my walk with him. The people going to Shift Church have shown me what a Christian family actually looks like. And I'm thankful and lucky to get to be a part of it now. And I know, I know he will say it, and this is the best phrase in the whole thing, so why not? And a pastor that isn't that bad looking either. 
But this thing, like we have helped someone see what a real, true Christ family can look like. How you know we're not going to hold great these expectations on people that they don't deserve, but that we're going to show them what it looks like to really walk with Christ. Another person wrote this: Shift Church has helped me rec- me reconnect after struggling to find a church I can become actively involved in. As soon as I started attending services here, I felt like I was in a completely judgment-free atmosphere where I am always treated with kindness and acceptance of home. It is so encouraging to know that I have a family here that will, will continue to watch after me throughout all the changes I have and will experience during this season of my life. Shift Church has been a constant reminder to me to love everyone I come in contact with and to truly care for and build lasting relationships with those that do not yet know the love of Jesus Christ. Another person that's here this morning says this, Shift Church welcomed me with open arms and has given me a newfound hope. I have been given a chance to show people the same love and mercy God has given me. Shift Church has taught me how to be bold in my faith and has given me a new family to turn to for not only prayer, but when I need uplifting or guidance. Because of Shift Church, I am held accountable. I've learned I'm not perfect, but that's okay. Because this is a journey I'm on with God. And journeys are paths we take and learn and grow. Most importantly, I have learned to be intentional with others and our conversations. We encounter encounter people for a reason. People who need our help and prayers. And because of Shift and all of the wonderful people involved, my eyes have been opened to that. This last one I'm going to read here, she actually, she actually wrote me two, and she said, the, one, the first one says what I really want to say, and the other one says what you probably are looking for. And I told her I was reading both of them because it's awesome. Okay, and this one I may like. But this is what she really wanted to say. If you enjoy crying bi-monthly, Shift Church is the place for you. After an awkward discussion about my agnostic, naturalist beliefs and traumatizing childhood church experience, Derek, a fellow seasoned TCI team member, invited me to a church service where he was speaking. Looking for a way to repay him for all the help he had been to me and and super disappointed this had to be the way, I felt obligated to show up for this thing he was so excited about. And she actually capitalized so. I didn't think I was that energetic about it, but he goes on, she goes on to say, he had saved my life and hair and most of my blood multiple times a week for the past year, so I begrudgingly attended the service. Much to my surprise, my children and I enjoyed the service in children's church. I learned a lot about Derek and his open, Derek's openness about his past and current struggles makes me kind of believe there may be, may be some really amazing people out there and they may actually attend church. It's put a real kink in my belief system and I will cry every, I still cry every time. It's real great. I hate to think I've held, on, held this undeserving biased view against Christian beliefs for most of my adult life, but when I see the love and commitment of Derek and Brittany and Shift Church and how much they have for this church, along with the community that attends, it's hard to continue to deny something more than human exists 
such as maybe possibly a Jesus, a God, and a Holy Spirit thing. Woo! Hold on a minute. I also hate that Derek is the one to prove me wrong. <laughs> Derek and Brittany and Shiv Church have shown my family not unconditional love and acceptance and haven't given up on us. Shift Church continues to support us on our journey back to him. Woo, okay. I'm about to turn into Ric Flair here in a minute. Ugh. Okay, and, th- so, and this, is, this is where she wrote what she probably want, and it's still quite amazing. After, di- after discussions about my agnostic beliefs and childhood church experience, Mr. McCarter invited me to attend Shift Church. Because of Mr. McCarter had saved my life, in the most literal way, multiple times per week, I wanted to support him however possible. What I found was an open, open, loving, and accepting community I had not previously experienced in a church. The willingness of a pastor to be open and honest about his past and current struggles continues to shape my beliefs and journey back into a Christian faith. Shift Church provides a place for my children and I to feel comfortable, accepted, with imperfections and all, and to openly talk about our current belief system while helping us return to the faith I have steadfastly avoided for years. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. If all this was just for her, it was totally worth it. People listening online are going to be like, what's what's the crap happening? I can't really talk. May we always be a church that no matter where people stand, what people believe, what doubts they may have or questions they may have, may they always be welcomed here. If you're listening online, you're like, I don't know if I believe in this Jesus thing. Like, I don't know. Is he really real? Hey, listen, it's okay to come here. But just to think, here's a person who said, like, I love the phrase that, I love it when she said, I learned a lot about Derek and his openness about his past and current struggles. Makes me kind of believe there may be some really amazing people in church and they may actually attend church. That's a really great phrase, but one of the other ones is, um, uh, you know, I hate to think I've held this undeserving bias view against Christian beliefs for most of my adult life, but when I see the love and commitment of Shift Church, and then it's hard to continue to deny there's something more than human exists, such as maybe a possibility of a Jesus and a God and a Holy Spirit. Like, a sermon doesn't do that sermon doesn't do that your stories have done that my stories have done that that's why it's important not just sit and attend and sit in chairs because there's people that we encounter every day no matter what their past looks like the struggles she had in the past with church and her church experience pushed her away and she has spent looking for answers and now she's saying maybe there is a God 
That's why it's important for you to share your story with people where you live, work, and play. That's why it's important. Like, if you were to ask me, what is, like, what's the win, Derek? What's the win? Like, what's the goal? That's the goal. To see people's life truly change, not just hers, but other people's. Learning to be bold in our faith. Learning, learning how to, what it really looks like to walk. What it looks like to really have a relationship with Christ. That's what it's all about. And we can't stop now. We can't stop. We can't do it. Because there's 27,999 more people in South Knoxville that need to hear our stories. And I want to read this here at the end. Okay. And I hope this is uh, a little exciting for you. As it is to me just to think about what my future holds. Revelation 21 says let me just say this real quick maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like before I read this you're like man I, I don't even know if I know Jesus like that I don't know if I know Jesus like that like you just explained to him hey listen we can begin that today okay I'm just saying Revelation 21 starting in verse 1 then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband I heard a, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying look God's home is now among his people like just think about it what we had to look forward to is living with Jesus there yeah, we have Jesus now, but he's going to be there, standing in front of us. His home will dwell with us. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. <coughs> and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever and the one sitting on the throne said look I am making everything new everything and then he said to me write this down for I, what, what I tell you is trustworthy and true and he also said it is finished I am alpha and omega the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty I will give freely from the spring of the water of life in the chapter before this, you have this picture given of the throne of God and the, and the river of life flowing from it. Now it's saying all who are thirsty will be able to drink from that. I will freely, uh, to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Like, that's what, it's, what it is. Like, 
in the end, we get to see Jesus. We get to live with him forever. No more pain, no more sorrow. But here's the great thing, is we can begin to live in that now. We have nothing to fear as children of God to share our stories. Maybe the, maybe the four people's stories that were given to me that we read a minute ago, I pray there's hundreds more that we get to see because we begin to live fearlessly and we start trusting the story maker and believing the story maker and standing firmly and saying, Jesus is the answer to your problem. And live in the victory knowing that in the end, truly, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. God, thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be here and to worship you. I thank you for these stories of really what, the, what they've really meant to me. You know, even in sometimes in my doubts of am I doing the right thing? Am I, do, am I doing what, you, what, you, what I'm supposed to be doing? This is just confirmation, God, that you are at work in people's lives. And I just pray that we live without fear. One, because we know what the end holds for us. And that is to be with you forever, living victorious lives. So I pray as we, as we leave this room, as we go on with our lives, that, that, that we live victoriously and we share our stories with people because we should have no fear. No fear at all. God, just thank you for being a God that rescues us and gives us a story. You are the story maker. I love you. Amen.